it's not, not that, that deep. deep. Everything love, lust and life. Sex. We talk about it so you can get better at it. We can all get better at it and maybe feel a bit happier in the process. It's not that deep. Or is it? Hi, I'm Fran. I'm here with my husband Andy and my friend Rebecca. And today's episode is called Let's Talk About Sex. Please? <laughs> because uh, we realised that we actually don't talk about sex in our group of friends at all. And I think this seems to be across all three of us, isn't it, Rebecca? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a topic that people feel scared to talk about. And in that sense, we lose the ability to develop our sexual relationships with partners. I think if we can't communicate that even with our friends and I think that it's a really good resource for people if they let themselves into that space. But also, I mean, we've, we've both tried talking to our friends at the start of looking at doing this podcast. And it's amazing how actually, even though that we've got what we thought were quite liberal friends, that there's actually not many people that we can talk to about, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, I mean, from my experience, I mean, it, it kind of goes against a lot of the stereotypes. But what I've seen is that men don't talk about sex. And I think back through my entire adult life, you know, you, you have the some of the silliness and the bravado, especially when you're younger, you hear that from friends, but nobody ever actually talks about it. And not in a, a way that would betray the trust of their partner or anything like that, but it just seems an absolutely taboo subject to so many men to actually talk about sensibly rather than just you know, a bit of silliness or a little bit of yeah, joking absolutely. here and there. And then it's then sort of continuing with this whole lack of communication in relationships because men aren't taught that they need to prioritize or even consider women's sexual pleasure during the experience and women aren't taught that they can vocalize that and they can vocalize their sort of unhappiness within their sexual relationships because as a society we're like oh you know sex for men is just all fun and games and who can sleep with the most people whereas sex for women is you know we, we serve, we do, we stand here. <laughs> well, also, I think that both genders and well, everyone, it's we haven't really gone past sort of playground talk with sex a lot of the time with friends. It's still sort of, it's okay to make jokes about it and you see a lot of jokes, but you actually don't see a lot of sensible conversations around it and normalising that kind of conversation so that you can learn about things from from friends and people around you and think of new things to do just from hearing about things all the things that you get you get from social media or the tv or porn or things like that and you don't actually get it from friends doing things and talking about things with you yeah and I guess it's not just friends where the communication comes from it's even relationships with like the parents with the children the sort of sex education we get in schools there's huge areas where there's opportunities to discuss things like sexual pleasure and um sort of dominance in relationships and picking up red flags sort of in a sexual sense which i don't think are used in the same way that they could be i think you get a lot of the actual mechanics taught to you but actually you don't get a lot of the emotional side of it taught to you and I think that's just as important and we just seem don't seem to have it, really. And how to have those conversations and where to have those conversations as well. You know, because I think if you're in the middle of or just after sex and then you decide to talk about, well, what else could we try? It's like almost like a criticism of the previous person. 
and I think picking the wrong time is almost as bad as as not talking about it at all. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we should explain to our listeners why we, why we want to talk about sex, what effect that has for us and why it benefits us. Andy, do you have a view on this? I think that we found, as our relationship has, has grown over time, that we probably were too late in many respects in starting to talk about it. It was something that we did and we enjoyed, but we never really talked about it. And because of that, it's meant that we've got over 10 years into our marriage before we've started to realise, actually, we quite enjoy this, we quite enjoy doing that. And it's opened up a lot of windows for us, has it, and different things to do and to try. And the, the way that we think about it as well. Because just as a couple that you know are in love and have been together for such a long time, it's took us an eternity to really talk about it properly, hasn't it? Yeah. So we've been together for 13 years and we've been married for 11 years. Rebecca, you're in a long-term relationship as well, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know, 19, 20 months, if we're counting months. Um, and it's a healthy one, and it's one where we've got this really nice, decent, healthy communication, including conversations about our sex life, which just didn't exist in my previous relationships. And I can see the difference so dramatically in having those conversations and how much that benefits not only our sex life, but our romantic life, our life as friends, you know, there's so many benefits to having conversations about like the intimate moments previous to them, ideally, um, that, you know, ripple out and they have effects on the whole relationship and in a really beneficial, positive way. I think that's what's kept our relationship so strong through through the years, actually, is as we've got further into the relationship, we've got better at talking about it. Yeah. And I think that's really, it has really helped because we weren't great at it at the start, were we? Now, I think from my experience, when you're younger, sex is primarily a physical thing. And I think with experience and starting to learn about yourself, learn about partners, you start to realise that it's, there's so much more to it. And that sounds like a really obvious thing to say, but I think for a lot of people it's missed. And I think a lot of people end up in a very, very long relationship, but don't necessarily talk about sex. It's a phys- remains a physical thing throughout the majority of their adult life. When actually, when you consider emotionally and, and learning about what your, your partner and yourself want to try, it can actually be so much more. And it, it really expands, the, I suppose, your your array of tools and things that you do, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. I think there's also, there's a big sort of embarrassment around talking about sex and a sort of fear of judgment around it, which if you think that doesn't actually come into pretty much any other aspect of life. So... Why is it there in sex? Yeah, and something I would like to add is that I think being able to talk about sex invites in a lot of our sort of secret kinks and things like that that we maybe wouldn't have had access to before. Um, I think there's loads of really great programs and stuff now on that side of things that open your eyes a bit and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's actually a normal... Like People have that kink quite a lot and I think it's really exciting and fascinating to be able to explore yourself in that sense and find out what your passions are that you may have repressed for ages and ages because you're just like oh you know I can't talk about it I can't accept that I enjoy sex I can't you know we so much shame yeah taboo and shame and you know you're going to hell or you know you're sinful or and then there's the sort of the connotations around people liking sex you know the word slags thrown around for women 
um, whore, all of that kind of stuff from being somebody who just likes to talk about sex. Whereas Which goes back to that playground language again. Absolutely. We, haven't, we don't seem to have grown up beyond school in many ways. And that we don't seem to have um, we don't seem to have adult conversations around it. Mm. And then how do you expect to be, be getting better at it um, if you're not able to talk about your experiences with people, with other people? And I would think this is more of a, a thing. I mean, it is a real issue between couples. But I think this is also an issue that I think friends should be talking about it because who else are you... If you're not talking with friends about it, then... You're not able to bounce ideas off people. You're not able to see what other people are doing. You know, it might be that you're all really kinky, um, but you thought you were the only person. And then that's the shame, like, oh, God, I'm weird because I like this thing. Yeah, absolutely. And also in being able to support people who have never spoken about sex before, like you said, sort of thinking, oh, you know, is it normal that this happens? You're like, no, it's absolutely not. Like, that's not okay. Um, You know, and and speaking from somebody with a happy amount of experience, and I'm fine saying that, it doesn't bother me, but I'm able to support friends if they ever do reach out to me about it because I know what I'm talking about. And these are people who have been with the, not there's anything wrong with it, but who've perhaps been with one sexual partner their whole lives who don't know what's normal and what's not. And then they say something and you're like, oh, okay, that's actually really unhealthy that's not you know that's how many years of your life where you've not actually been enjoying your sex life where you know you've never orgasmed or you don't know what an orgasm is like how are you going to understand if you're going to find pleasure in these experiences if you haven't had you know feeling it it yourself I guess well I watched a TED talk from a woman called Pamela Joy who said that 40% of women and hers are specifically looking at women 40% of women at any one time have got some kind of a problem with sexual function uh, at, at any one time. So there's always, there's a group there who are just not, either not getting help or not knowing there's a problem. And she was saying that she'd started groups of people talking, you know, talking therapy, and that pretty much everyone within the group started to experience better sex by the end of their sessions mm. because they could talk about it with each other and then they could go home and talk about it with their partner and that was the thing that being able to talk in a friendship group when you're not talking about specific people yeah was then able you to talk to a specific person your partner about those things but then you can now talk in a more generalized way because you've talked about it with a group of people so you're not like oh yeah so and so said that so we should do that sort of thing it's like oh well I heard about this so you're not so pinpointing as well. Yeah, I, I think that kind of generalising helps. I can absolutely believe that. Andy, from, I guess, a male's perspective, obviously we only have experience of male and female relationships during these podcasts because that's just um, our orientation. Um, what do you, you know, you said earlier about how sort of the, I guess, the locker room talk and the locker room jokes of, you know, men talking about sex. Like, can that evolve, do you think, in male friendships, in male relationships? I certainly think it should. Um, I think it, you were saying before about the, the schoolyard and that, and it goes back to when you're in adolescence. You know, if if the somebody who's had a lot of sexual partners at, at that point, if it's a lady, if it's a woman, it's she's a slag. Mm. She's she's not thought upon well. If it's a man, he's a player. And yeah. I think that carries through. And you know, if you're 
you know, when you were 18, if you were not a player, I wasn't particularly a player, I don't mind admitting, you don't really engage with that. And I think a lot of people then don't want to talk about sex because they've not necessarily got a positive reinforcement about it. And so, therefore, it, it remains a taboo subject for a long time. And I think some people at the other end of that scale maybe are so comfortable in that place that they're quite happy to stay in more of a, I suppose, a leery way in which they talk about yeah. it. And there's got to be a common ground in the middle. I think that... I think back through friendships I've had with other guys for a long time, 10 years or more. I don't think we've ever really talked about sex, and I, we probably never will, you know, I've... As Fran said, I've kind of broached that with some friends fairly recently and respectfully they said, I'd rather not. And that's absolutely fine. And I think if I look at myself five years ago, I wouldn't have wanted to either because it just would have felt wrong on different levels. Maybe from a, I feel like I was betraying your trust a little bit, Fran, or things like that. But now I, I've really sort of opened my mind up to it and realised that it actually could have real benefits because... I think as we've become more connected as a as a planet now, and there's there's so much information available at the click of a button, 24 hours a day, you can always get information. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily relevant to you or something you can relate to. If it's something you know and you're hearing something and you're comfortable to talk about it, it suddenly becomes relatable. Yeah. You know, if you're t- listening to you know a, a male model from LA and his sexual experiences, that's not relevant to me living in the Midlands. In, in the UK it's, it doesn't relate in any way whatsoever and I think being able to speak to people on the same level as you yeah I think probably that you do know you can understand how that can relate to you and how it could help you with your thoughts and relationships you say there's there's lots of information out there but I googled about talking about sex and you wouldn't believe the number of articles that were saying why you shouldn't talk about sex really and I was thinking well that's a terrible thing to be you you didn't see hardly any positive articles saying you should do but the, despite the obvious benefits i mean if you're capable of talking about it to other people you're capable of talking about it to your partner communication is absolutely the key part and it's it makes relationships stronger and it makes every part of your relationship better if you can be like i like that i don't like that yeah and it's Something that I've taken a really long time to realise, I think we have as well, as a couple. I mean, I spent probably, I'm not sure actually, if before I met you, I talked to anyone properly about what I liked and didn't like in sex. And I'm not sure I had great sex much of the time as a result. Yeah. But certainly the first six years, I had terrible sex and never told anyone about it. Like, never told them that I wasn't really enjoying it. And that, I wasn't happy with the things they were doing um, and how could to make it better. I never and never talked about it. And I've just realised, I realise now how much more fun I could have been having had I have talked about it. Absolutely. But also if I'd have been taught to talk about it, you're also taught in school. I mean, that's where a lot of this formative knowledge comes from or these attitudes towards talking about sex. We're all saying it comes from school. But you're taught, I mean, I was taught in school is saying you shouldn't have sex before this uh, this age and you should stay away if you're not feeling it and this and that and it was all about not having sex and not really about talking about it either yeah and so you just come out of school with this this these this is the formed idea of of what 
your sex should be like and what your experience of sex should be like, despite the fact that you spend most of your life having sex, not at school and not with those people. And they're not really necessarily shaping, shouldn't be shaping your life. Yeah. So my experience of sort of education in terms of like sexual sexual education from sort of my upbringing and from school itself was if you have sex you will either die or get pregnant and that's the end of the world either way and so like my whole teenhood I was the most repressed like didn't want you know boys and you know oh don't hug boys you know can't do that and if I ever heard of any rumors of anybody doing anything I'd be like what you know it's horrendous it's the worst thing ever and obviously what's inevitable in those situations is everything just bottled up my repressed Freudian subconscious got to 17 was like nah just completely let loose and it's like repression doesn't do anything and that's good I don't think for anybody um just other than put them in this state of fear and shame and I can't have these feelings I can't have these thoughts I can't have a crush or these urges because it's wrong and bad and if I do then I'll die It's ridiculous as well when you think that so much of society is geared towards getting sex. You know, there's so many industries geared towards it. Fashion, beauty, TV in many ways. It's all sort of aimed at getting sex. And then when you get to that point, there's nothing about how to do it well, particularly. In popular culture and in in day-to-day life, there's nothing about how to enjoy yourself, how how to... talk to people about your experience and yet you talk to people about what you're wearing to whatever event but you won't talk about the sex at at the other end sort of thing I mean I'm not saying that it should be the same conversation but I'm just saying that you you completely block out one part of your life to to people you'll talk about everything in your life yeah but you won't talk about that you'll talk about how much you like food and what your taste in food is but then you won't take talk about sex and they're they are equally functions of the body mm-hmm. and equally as important yeah absolutely and it's sort of a funny thing just going back to I guess what Andy was saying about locker room talk and stuff like that is how people always especially like I think in teenhood were like oh yeah so and so's had a threesome blah, blah 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 and everybody I've spoken to who's had a threesome during that period of their lives now is like oh that's just chaotic we didn't know what we were doing um, it was really messy I felt really uncomfortable it really wasn't my setup like it didn't work for me but you know yeah at the time I remember them you know going around all the lads being like oh yeah I've done this it was like a like a checklist like ticking things off yeah you know I'm the master of the males because I've had a threesome hooray and but yet those can be positive things if you, if you go into them with a bit more knowledge of what you're doing. A bit more knowledge and a bit of a better attitude rather than I need to set this up, checklist, checklist, This is a checklist. bucket list. Absolutely. Rather than, you know, doing it that way, there's absolutely no intention of actually enjoying the experience. It's just having the experience. <laughs> it's true of many things in life, though, isn't it? If you go back and could do it all again, you'd do it differently with what you know now. Yeah, you could be so much more successful in in all of your younger life. You'd be more confident, more knowledgeable, um, and easier to, to to do things and convert situations. But I think it's important for us as well as parents is that we're really determined. We don't want our kids to grow up not understanding a lot of these things because mm. I'm sure schooling has, has 
moved on massively from 20 odd years ago when I had <laughs> those awful lessons with uh, Mr. Healy um, throwing various items around the room at us and it became a bit of a joke. I'm sure now there's a lot more. We know from speaking with our kids that you know they, they're starting at a young age to, to start learning about relationships more, certainly more than we ever did. But I think it's really important that we want to make sure that that conversation is had and that they don't end up with that like, checklist situation when they grow up. Knowledge is power as well. And I think if you're going to take, have power in your relationships sexually to have your own full sexual experience, you need to have knowledge of the full spectrum of it, not just the mechanics. Yeah, and like, that empowerment in your own body to say, yeah, I'd love that experience or actually I don't think that's for me right now, so I'm not going to try and strive for it because I think I should. I just think how many people could be having better sex if they just knew what better sex looked like and felt like. Yeah, so... I'm gathering some stats for all of our episodes for a little, little bit of a review and sort of a discussion about how we feel about these statistics. We're covering quite a lot of things that we've actually been through today. So couples who communicate more about sex tend to have better sex. So that is a study that has proven that. There's quite a few of them actually that did say that. So for both men and women, talking about sex with their partners was associated with better orgasm and greater overall sexual well-being. For women specifically, sexual communication with a partner was related to increased sexual desire. And the link between communication and sexual functioning was also stronger in studies where the participants were married. I found that really interesting. What do you think about that, guys? I think that, I mean, I think that's borne out in our experience as well, isn't it? We've definitely, th and the more that we've talked about it, the more that we've wanted it. I think that quite often leads to one leads to the other sort of thing. What do you think about having the women having the increased sexual desire? I think so, definitely. I think we have got more sort of coming in in like in a sort of you know we've got things like Fifty Shades and things like that where where they sort of aimed a little bit more at mi women and getting women to sort of talk about and think about it in a more socially acceptable way so it is sort of coming in a little bit but I just think it needs normalizing into everyday lives I think women a lot of women I can't speak for everybody are turned on emotionally as well and I think just having that conversation is an emotional turn on yeah and it sort of stays you know hangs around it's like oh yeah he feels like this so once you've been switched on yeah kind of it's there can't go back I think that conversation can you know, for the people who are more and on by the emotional side and people who are turned on by the physical side of it. If you're having one conversation which covers both things, it's serving a purpose for both of you, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So most people, this is the second study, most people are talking to their friends about their sex lives more than they're discussing it with their significant others. Uh, 50, it's actually not a big difference. 57% of women talk sex with their friends, while only 47% bring it up with their partners. How do we feel about that? I guess that kind of goes against a little bit what we were saying, but it's still that sort of massive gap in communication. There's like a good 30, 40% of people who just don't talk about it in that sense at all. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised at all by that. I, I think I'm surprised the number's not bigger, actually, the people not talking about it. I'm, yeah. su I'm surprised that there's more friends who do. Yeah. Because I experience We're just obviously way. choosing the wrong friends, Fran. <laughs> I've got one friend that I have, can talk sex with um, and he's actually, he's a guy as well and it's the only person that I really think would respond positively to a conversation. I 
I don't know anyone else that I would be able to talk openly with. Yeah, so I've always felt really uncomfortable talking about sex around men, <laughs> straight men. It's the other way for me, apparently. Yeah, I just, uh, it really sort of, I'm like, what if they think, you know, what if they think something or what if they're, they think I'm trying to hit on them and I'm like, no. Um, and just I've, I've had past experiences where they've sort of taken it the wrong way and I was like, oh, it's just talking, this is the kind of stuff I like to talk about. But obviously when you're around a group of guys is different. Um, so I don't know, yeah, I'm I, I, I'm in awe that you're able to do that because I don't feel like I am. So he said that one of his friends... Um, she has they have a a point where they all go on a zoom call her and her friendship group all go on a zoom call some of them are in couples some of them are singles and they all sit and talk about sex as a group and i just i thought wow that's really different and really unusual and she's quite a lot younger than us and i wonder if that might be the thing that younger people are actually better at it than we are as a group at talking about sex where do we sign up to this I know, it sounds like a great group. But she, from that, has come back and she comes back to him and asks him questions and things and reports back to the group, which I think is really funny. Um, But also that she comes back with things and she's like, I had no idea this was a thing. Or she's staggered about the fact that, um, for instance, some of the couples in that group just don't haven't had sex for a really long time. And she was like, is that a thing? Is that normal? Um, and I think that's really healthy to have that kind of is that normal kind of conversation. Yeah, absolutely. But equally, like, oh, I've experienced this thing. Is that normal? The only thing that one thing that they do say in all those articles where they're saying you shouldn't talk about sex, what they are saying is you shouldn't talk in graphic detail about a specific partner because you're sort of breaching confidentiality there. And I get that. But the point being, you sort of need to be talking in general terms, I think. I think they're thinking of big groups of girls just talking about, oh, yeah, he's, he did this and and, yeah. and he's bad at this and he's got a penis this size. And, you know, and I think that's that's kind of not what we're getting at. We're kind of getting at, oh, have you tried this? Is and this a thing? trusted friendships, you know, yeah. relationships with friends who are really close and things like that. So the woman who did the TED Talk, she started talking, uh, making talking groups of, of mostly women because this was a, a women's thing. Um, and she was... She had ground rules for the group, which is a really good idea. There was um, 100% confidentiality was one. Honesty, like you're only talking about you and your relationships rather than other people's relationships because you don't actually know. Um, And no judgment was another one. Um, And then the last one was, oh, don't give advice. Here's what you have experienced, here's what someone else's experience rather than because you're not qualified yeah you know, i've done this i found this is really good is different to you should do this yeah and it's a much more positive conversation as well i think that's a really good point because i think you know in, in sort of preparation for this but also just personally you know, I've on social media i've joined some sort of men groups just to sort of get a feel for for what's going on and, and specifically around this and that's a really good point when you say about you should learn by sharing experiences. And from what I've seen when I've been looking recently, it's just people looking for answers to very specific situations or yeah. issues that they've got. People go asking complete strangers on the internet for answers to their problem instead of learning from others' experiences. And I think 
that sounds brilliant, doesn't it? Just a conversation, a group to talk about your experience yeah. and share that and learn from that. No, it's just, like you said, where do you sign up for that? Because yeah. I think that's brilliant. Reddit. Reddit is so <laughs> good for that. I'm such a Reddit But nerd. you always get keyboard warriors online and I think this is where in a group of people that you know, you can filter because you can be like, yeah, no, Dave is always full of shit. Let's take his advice with a bit of a pinch of salt. Um, rather than... We have no idea who this person is. We don't know if this person is a, is a sex therapist or a complete bullshit artist. Yeah. And we, you don't know because you don't know the people. Whereas I think having a group of people that you actually physically know mm. and that you can kind of, you're sort of, you've got a bit of a self-vetting then with it. You know, I don't like so-and-so, so I think their advice is a little bit rubbish sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that gives you that that kind of filter on it rather than... Um, I, I do think groups online are a good thing, but there's just a little bit, everyone wants to be the person with the advice rather than, and that, that should be gospel. Everything's just so black and white online, whereas I think in real life, those shades of grey come out a bit more and you can talk around a topic a bit more as well. And it's, it's having the right environment online. I think you said there about yeah. that group was all about ground rules. You've got the ground rules. This is what, you can talk about this is what we don't talk about yeah if you've got those ground rules it makes it so much easier a much better place to be and a more trusted place to be yeah enforcing those would be a nightmare though. yeah so should we talk about how we get our education about sex so apparently this is june 22 this stat came in and it makes me really angry angry sad confused i don't know over 20 percent of parents won't talk to their kids about sex and that was June 2022. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. That hurts my heart. But it is saddening, isn't it? Because, I mean, I get that it's not easy talk to have, but if you can't talk to your children about sex, then you can't... I mean, that's part of... a big part of their life that you're just shutting off from them. Yeah. I mean, I want to be able to teach Georgia everything I know, almost. not Not about sex, specifically. Um, but everything that I know in life, I want her to learn and be able to to sort of pick and choose what she she yeah. takes from it. To be a guide and I think to have it, yeah. a little bit of that sex knowledge in there as well. I mean, you don't have to talk specifically about the sex that you've had either. No. That's the other thing, because that's probably... that's Maybe that's what p- parents think. Yeah, well... Interestingly, and Andy, this is one for you, 26% of uh, people surveyed in this study in June 2022, this year, still in shock, uh, said that they would pass the buck to the other parent. In the majority of cases, that was the male parent. Yeah, we do this sometimes. Sometimes. We are guilty of this. Because sometimes it's not the right conversation to have. Um, Sometimes it's too advanced. And you just say... For females, do you mean? um, No, sometimes, for instance... um, our eldest is now nine, but since she was six or so, she's been asking various things. And sometimes they are too advanced for the age that she knows, for what she knows. Yeah. So you pass the buck so that she will effectively forget about the conversation. And then we can come back to it when she's older and she's able to take the information in. But equally, sometimes we, and sometimes, you know, male questions are better answered by people who own the, the tackle and yeah. vice versa. But I do think that we, we have sidestepped things sometimes. I mean, it's not always appropriate. Yeah. 
Well, you'd have to sidestep it. I think that when I look back to my experiences as a kid growing up, it wasn't talked about at all. No. Like, it just wasn't. And it was, you know, if anything came on the TV remotely sexual, it was just, oh, what's that down the side of a sofa? You just didn't want to look and, and make <laughs> eye contact. Um, so, yeah, I think from our perspective, there is a little bit of sidestepping questions. But, you know, we're certainly approaching that age now where we're going to tackle it head on. I think we're quite comfortable in doing that. I just find it a really interesting stat, especially because the next study I'm going on to is to do with uh, sex, sex education within schools, um, which is where one in five respondents of this survey said that they don't have any trusted adults with whom they feel comfortable discussing matters relating to relationships and sex. Where they did, they were almost always female. So I find it so interesting that in parental relationships, people want to pass on sort of the the sexual conversations over to the male when it seems like people feel more comfortable talking to females about it. When I say people, I mean sort of teens. It's a teen study. Um, I just I just think it just blows my mind. I'm like, I think that's reinforcing that thing that again. Blokes don't talk about sex thing as they get older, and I think that I mean we all know the statistics about male suicide, and I think. That's another one of those aspects, just another thing that feeds into it. Yeah. You can't talk about sex and have good sex as a result of talking about it. Then I think that's just yet another aspect. And talking about relationships as well. It's not yeah. just the sex itself. It's just another aspect that's feeding into that kind of negative spiral, I suppose. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, kids and, and teenagers will, will always gravitate with conversations like that and it'll differ from family to family i'd like to think that from our perspective that our girls would be comfortable talking to me about things and you as well and there will be certain things that i might be better speaking about and vice versa i suppose it starts at a young age doesn't it you know if you can be open enough that it's it's not a forbidden conversation yeah from an early that's age. it isn't it as they grow older and they're Questions and curiosities get so much more complex and deep. Mm. If you've sort of done the groundwork, it's like anything, isn't it? If you've done that mm. groundwork before, and it's going to make it so much easier for both sides. Yeah, I think there's so much respect for that. It goes hand in hand with body positivity as well, I think. And I think we, we are quite good on that one. Um, and I think if you're able to talk about all aspects of your body, that just helps all round you to not have shame about it yeah and to not fit again the, the shame and the judgment bits keep cropping up in sex talk and they shouldn't be cropping up at all and if they if you can have a good body positive um environment again you should be able to have a good sex positive environment as well 100 percent. so my uh, bombshell statistic which is probably quite important to all of us drumroll, is uh, the topic least likely to be, to be discussed in school sex, sex education was sexual pleasure, with 46% of young people reporting they learned nothing about this. And I don't think that's surprising to any of us here. Um, if anything, that seems quite high. I guess that was uh, a very recent study. Um, things may have definitely changed since we got... <laughs> yeah, I didn't learn anything about it at all in school. I didn't also didn't talk about it with my parents at all. No. Um, I where where did you get this education from? 
yeah. experience, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's why I had terrible sex for yeah. quite a number of years. Why should it be up to us to have to make loads of mistakes? And I mean, loads of mistakes. Like these six years for me, you know, probably the same in terms of not really listening and honouring my body's needs. Yeah, I mean, I, d- I definitely did an orgasm in sex for the first, at least, yeah, about six years. And that's, I mean, that should be en- enough to put some people off. Yeah. Just not getting anything out of it, really. I think crossing your own personal boundaries as well, like we're just not taught that that's a thing because sexual pleasure comes into actually well-being, I think, as well, and being like, hell, I don't feel comfortable in this situation. I don't know why, I don't know what's going on. I'm just getting a weird feeling about this and I want this to consent I, I i want this to stop i don't feel comfortable doing this but i've been taught you know i'm supposed to be pleasing the man so i can't stop this situation right now i've just got to carry on and suck it up and yet if you take it back to food if you started something and you didn't like it you'd be like okay i'm done with that yeah. i'm not eating that you you never told you have to eat absolutely everything that's yeah. given to you because that would be mental but that's basically what you're brought up by by a lack of discussion, yeah, you're brought up to believe about sex is that you should just that should be everything you're given. You should eat. That's not quite the phrase I was going <laughs> for. But everything you're given, you should be completely down with, and that's not the case. And everything is about taste, and you should be able to sample and decide whether you do or not like to do things. Yeah. Absolutely. And be free to say that. And I think that freedom is the thing that we that that's absolutely key in a relationship to to keep it stable and to keep it fun and exciting. I mean, we've got through eleven years of marriage now and we're still discovering new things about each other because we have started talking about things that we've never talked about before. Yeah, and I wish we'd talked about them sooner because I think yeah. it, you know, I've never had a bad sex life but i think it would have been so much more enhanced if we'd have talked earlier well, i talk- think the food analogy is great because i think back to the first meals you ever cooked for me was octopus or something it was awful Squid. <laughs> i've never gone back for it since and you've never tried to cook it for me since because it was awful um what we didn't do though because we talked about it, i made it clear that i don't like that you didn't try and force it down my throat every week for the next 10 years, did you? And it's the same with sex. If you try yeah. something, whether that's individually or as a pair, if you don't like something, then try again. And if you still don't like it, you wouldn't go back to it, would you? Yeah. I think if we're going back to the food as well. So I once told my dad that I liked um, gammon. And I do. But we had it every single week after that. Right. Because I told him I liked it. We had it every single week, two or three times a week. And I got to the point where I couldn't stand it because yeah. I didn't had so much of it. Yeah. And I think you get like that with sex as well. I think it, you know, if after eleven years you're still doing exactly the same positions, exactly the same thing, yeah, all the time, you've run out of stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I I went off gammon for I don't know about five <laughs> years. <laughs> Imagine doing that with sex. Yeah. And what you could be having instead. You know, obviously, because we have to have food, you have some other kind of meal, but you don't with sex. Yeah. And so you could literally just be having, being like, no, I'm done with it now. It's rubbish. When actually there's just an absolute smorgasbord of other things that you could have been doing. You just don't know about because you haven't talked about it with anyone. Absolutely. And it's sort of like staying in the same position, for example, with me, uh, one position that was particularly painful 
didn't communicate it because I'm scared because you know we can't do that you know men will be offended etc etc uh, so it continues in said position sex life becomes horrendous because they become super anxious that every position is going to cause that pain and then it just it, the whole concept of sex just becomes so terrifying when all I needed to do is say that I really don't like this position <laughs> but also you've sort of decided someone else's um, reaction to it without yeah. actually knowing if that's a retro reaction yeah that's so often the case it's so many people are worried about talking about whatever it is or scared about maybe I want to try sex toys or something but I don't want to talk about it in case my partner thinks that I want to replace them or something yeah. or that I think that they're no good but actually if you talk about it they're probably like oh yeah yeah no that was a great idea why and didn't like we try it prioritizing their pleasure over me not having pain just seems so insane to me right now I'm like what no I would never do that now if something hurt I'd be like stop it <laughs> I think there's so many things we could have done if we'd have just mm. talked about it anyway I think that we've covered everything today guys so this was a great episode of uh, sex is not that deep we hope you've enjoyed listening and we'd like to thank you and hope to see you next time Sex. Sex. It's not, not that, that deep. deep.